You are listening to Natural Magic, written and narrated by Molly Stroges. Chapter 15, Key. After she left the table, Key went in search of Kaylee, who had waved to her as she walked by with a boy. At least, he looked like a boy. Mostly. He had short black hair and a flat chest, but instead of wearing jeans, like most Faraday students, he had on a black skirt like Miriam usually wore, and multicolored striped tights. She meekly followed them to their table. The boy saw her first and turned. Oh, Kaylee, did you bring us a new recruit? He had a deeper voice than she expected. A low baritone coming from a rather scrawny kid who was actually shorter than Kaylee. But, Key figured, she was the last person who should be making assumptions about someone based on the way they looked. Key! Kaylee sprang up toward Key and then paused about a foot away. Key stared at the girl stuck in a strange pose with her arms out. Are you okay? Kaylee dropped her arms to her sides. Well, I was going to hug you, but I realized you might not like it. You can hug me. The words surprised even Key. She had never been particularly physical with anyone other than Matsyas, but she had never been encouraged to be physical either. The Sashi women were supposed to be elusive and not give away their thoughts, especially to outsiders. Men were taught similar lessons, though it was less important for them. So Kaylee hugged Key, and Key hugged back, surprising herself again. Then Kaylee sat down. Want to join us? Have you eaten? Yeah, I ate with my roommate and my brother, Key said, but she did sit down at the table with them. This is Kay, too. They're my roommate. Kaylee indicated her companion. They? Key looked at Kay, too, and then at the empty table, wondering why Kaylee had used a plural pronoun. Kay, too, calmly took a sip of juice. I'm gender fluid, not exactly male or female. You're not male or female? So what... She got a feeling the question was rude and stopped, wondering vaguely if this was how Miriam felt. But K2 shrugged. Don't worry. It's a new idea for most people outside Aunt Rent. Except for Hawthorne House, I guess. Oh. K felt a little stupid, though she didn't know why. K2 certainly didn't seem offended. He... They, Key corrected in her head, didn't even seem exasperated about having to explain it for what was probably many times. They were remarkably patient. Kaylee wasn't phased either. Key is in my electrocasting class. She's a natural. Key felt herself blush. Well, it is my natural gift. Kaylee shook her head. It's more than that. You're genuinely good at it. I'll bet you anything Mrs. Delanine will be ready to induct you into Providence by the end of the semester. Key didn't think her abilities were anything compared to Matt's, but she didn't bring him up. How do they induct people into houses? Kaylee and K2 looked at each other and then back at Key. It's top secret. Other than third years are in charge of it. She nudged K2, who batted an arm away. Key must have looked worried because Kaylee followed this with... Don't worry, it's not like there's hazing. It's just a surprise. You've got nothing to worry about. Promise. K2 winked at her and took a bite of their sandwich. Key looked at her watch. I should get to class. K2 glanced at the cafeteria clock. Yeah, we're both on break. Why don't you come sit with us at dinner? Um... Key glanced in the direction of where she normally sat with the others. Kaylee must have followed her gaze. 
If you don't want to leave your friends, you can stop by Hawthorne after dinner. Bring them along. K2 waved their hand in the air as if beckoning an invisible person. More the merrier. I'll stop by, Key said, and then hurried off to class. She wasn't sure why, but it was hard to think about anything else for the rest of the day. Fundamentals of sewing seemed to pass as quickly as it began, though her notes on the parts of the sewing machine were pitiful, and she knew she would have to ask Ion for some pointers later. Her next class flew by even faster. The closer she got to seeing Kaylee and Ketu, the more excited she became, and by the time she reached channeling objects, Matsyas could tell something was different about her. Are you okay? He waved a hand in front of her face. I haven't seen you this fidgety since the archery competition last year. I'm fine. She noticed she was tapping her finger on the desk and stopped. Key, I know you better than anyone. You've got something on your mind. Part of Key wanted to tell him about making friends with upperclassmen, people who didn't really care if she was a boy or a girl and didn't look at her confused that they couldn't figure it out. She wanted to tell him about this person who was maybe somehow like her, somehow also not quite boy and not quite girl, but she couldn't find the words. And some part of Key wanted to keep Kaylee and K2 to herself, at least for now. There was no reason they wouldn't get along with Matsyas, and if they didn't, their friendship wasn't worth it. But Kaylee was a weather wizard in her second year, and she thought Key was talented. And all of that would end if Key introduced her to Matt. Once they met, Key would just be Key again. She would be Matt's sister and nothing more. So Key shook her head and told Matsyas, I can't stop thinking about fourth period. In the last few months, they had both become experts at half-truths, and she thought, for a moment, Matsyas would call her out on this. But he didn't. Hey, it's... it's one test. It's not gonna make or break your whole school career. She also didn't tell him she had actually worried about that earlier in the week. She just smiled back and thanked him. Matsyas still seemed suspicious at dinner. Key ate quickly and scanned the room for Kaylee and K2, though she didn't see them, and they should have been pretty easy to spot, what with K2's brightly colored tights. Key didn't pay much attention to the conversation. She was vaguely aware of Matt and Ion talking about their history class and some mention of weekend plans, but she didn't hear any details until she heard her name. Key. Key turned to look at Matsyas. His deep brown eyes looked concerned. Do you still want to take the train to Shakif tomorrow? You don't look like you're feeling well. She half expected him to feel her forehead the way her father might. He did put his hand on hers. Later, she thought, she should have noticed the excitement in his voice. That look on his face that Matsyas got when he had the opportunity to learn something new. But at the time, she struggled to process the words, as if she was swimming to them through a myriad of other thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. Key pulled away, and then regretted it when she saw the look on Matt's face. He returned his own hand to his fork, but he continued to watch Key. Maybe you should get an early night. That's when she saw Kaylee and K2 walking out of the cafeteria with a tall boy from Westwood House. You know what? I think... I might. Key stood up and took her tray to the return. It wasn't until after she had walked out of the cafeteria that she realized Matt had spoken in Johu. But she didn't have time to worry about Matsyas. She glanced back to make sure no one was following her, and then walked to Hawthorne House. Matt lay on his bed, and Key sprawled out on the floor. At twelve years old, she had hit a growth spurt, which made it difficult to fit many places. It was spring day. 
the first day of the weekend, and they had no school. Still, Matt's father had told her to practice reading. She picked up Matt's Faraday brochure, which had been shoved under his bed. It says here that there are six houses, but the founders wanted to create a sense of unity, so they leave the doors open until nine. Aren't they worried about people breaking in? Matsyas tossed a wooden ball into the air. There are wards on the ground. They can activate them to keep people who aren't affiliated, but they only use those for emergencies. Most of the time, they opt for low-tech security. Like what? Key tried to grab the ball and missed. He caught it and grinned at her. Eyes. Each house has a desk at the front with someone to watch the door. Oh. Key flipped through the brochure some more. So do you know what house you want to be in? She asked in Shukbo. This one, I guess. Matt responded in Johu. Key popped her head over the edge of the bed. What are you talking about? Matt tossed the ball off the bed. Key, I'm not going to Faraday. What happened to we're going to be the best wizards ever? She waved the brochure at him. Matt sat up. Mom and Dad just took Lamel to the only playground in Illigate we can go to. If they won't let us go to a playground, do you think they'll let me go to a transport station to go to Nefrail? And even if they did, do you think they would let me come back? The only way I'll ever get there is if our whole family leaves, and that's never going to happen. As soon as Key stepped into the Hawthorne Common, she felt out of place. It was nothing like Victoria House. Sure, the basic layout was the same. There was a door to each side leading to the dorms. The front desk was to the left, and there was a small room to the right where the staff head of house had their office. But that was where it ended. The furniture was a myriad of mixed and matched colors. Along one wall were several tall tables with bar chairs, many of them painted or collaged. The wall behind had a mural of an ocean scene. There were several couches in the room as well, but many students sat on cushions on the floor. And though Victoria House had more students, the Hawthorne Common was louder. On the walls, someone had posted pictures which looked like student artwork, and an array of lights and decorations hung from the ceiling. Key knew that each house had developed a personality over time. Apparently Hawthorne was the house for artists. Key could see she was not the only person from another house, but she was the only freshman. She was about to back out the door when Kaylee saw her. Key, we've been waiting for you. K2 was nearby with the tall Westwood boy. You're just in time. For what? Two students came running out of the boys' dorm. At least, it was where the boys' dorm was located in Victoria House. But Key wasn't sure how Hawthorne divided their dorms if they had students like K2. They carried several sheets with them, which they hung on hooks on the ceiling like curtains. No one's studying, are they? On the first Wednesday night of the year, it would be silly enough to study. Sophomores. The Westwood boy muttered. Kaylee frowned at him, but K2 gave him a high five. Then he turned to Key and, after a moment's hesitation, offered a hand. I'm Charlie. Key shook his hand, noticing as she did a bracelet he wore on each wrist, like the bracelets young wizards wore to help them keep their abilities in check. Only these didn't have a traditional binding pattern. They had symbols like the one on Matt's thermos, for temperature magic. Key. Named after the goddess of deceit. Key goggled at the boy, who himself looked surprised that he had said it. Most people don't know that. Well, I'm friends with Tashit, your househead. She told me at some point last year. Kaylee pulled her toward the couches. What is going on? Key asked, looking around. The Hawthorne students moved as if propelled by the same force. 
annual Hawthorne House pageant. Charlie followed the girls as K2 jumped in front of the sheets. The three of them sat on a couch together. Kay felt as if she was not quite in her body, watching everything happening from the outside. You know, like a play. Someone shut off the main lights, and Key turned at the front where K2 stood. With a wave of their hand, K2 created a much brighter orb of light which illuminated only the curtain. They stepped in front of the sheets where they were spotlighted and spread their arms wide. Gentlefolk of all varieties, welcome to Hawthorne House's first week of school pageant. The students all clapped and cheered. Charlie whistled loudly in Key's ear as the pageant began. It was very silly, reminiscent of the games that young children play. The students were done up in homemade costumes crafted out of boxes and paper and paint. The stories seemed to be based on folk tales. None of them were particularly familiar to Key, though being at an international school, this did not surprise her. What did surprise her was when students in the audience would jump up and join in the spectacle. She was the only one who seemed not to know exactly what to do, though none of the students from Hawthorne House appeared bothered by this fact. Even the students from the other houses joined in. The whole thing reminded her of the first time Matt joined in a song circle. The truck came to a stop at midday. Matsyas, who had been sitting on his bed reading a book, pulled aside the curtain. Is this it? There's nothing out there. Key had been sanding a piece of quartz. She followed Matt's gaze and leaped up immediately. Nothing? The Shahia shrine is right there. She pointed across a large circle of packed earth to a table with several figurines on it. And that's where the priest lives. She pointed to two small houses standing nearby. Come on! She bounded from the room. When Key reached the front door, she remembered Matsyas hadn't been wearing his leg and waited for him to come down the hall. He arrived after a minute, and the confused expression had not left his face. Key beckoned to him as she opened the door. Matsyas followed Key down the trailer steps into the sunshine, and she saw her parents talking to the Shakya priest. She explained to Matt that he was easy to identify due to his red skirt. He maintains the shrine in the song circle. We always stop at a shrine. If anybody else is nearby, they will too. Matt had witnessed a couple of song circles when they had met the Saju on the outskirts of larger cities, but this was his first time at a Shakya shrine. It was a place for the Saju travelers to rest, honor their gods, and to share their stories with each other. Key's family helped the priest haul firewood from the smaller building into the center of the circle, while they waited for other travelers to arrive. When they did arrive, they paid their respects at the shrine and brought tokens of food to the priest. As the sun set, the family shared a meal together but it was after dinner that the real gathering began. They quickly cleared away the dishes to their own trailers and then formed a circle around the fire, but they didn't sit down. They waited, and then someone began to stomp out a rhythm. Stomp, 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 clap. Stomp, 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 clap. The others in the circle joined in, and once everyone knew the rhythm, the words came easy. The group sang and danced, shuffling around the circle and when it ended, another began, and then another. Matt watched all of this from the steps of the Charit's trailer, as he always did, as if he didn't belong. Key knew Matsyas hadn't been born Thisaju, but that didn't make him any less part of the family. She ran up to him between songs and tugged on his sleeve. Come on! Matt shook his head. I can't dance. He looked at his leg. Key heard the familiar rhythm of her own family song starting behind her. I won't take no for an answer. Matsyas protested as she dragged him toward the circle. Key, I don't know the steps, and it's hard enough to walk with a fake leg. 
Matthias, is there anything in the Epiluno text that would prevent you from dancing with us? She didn't wait for him to reply, because she already knew the answer. She pushed him into place among the other men. Matsyas grabbed her arm. You can't just leave me here. Matt's eyes were wide, and his breathing heavy. Even before his parents had died, he had struggled to jump into new situations if there were a lot of people involved. And since the fire, he had clung to Key like a life raft, as if she were the last shred of normalcy in his life. I'm not... Key stepped into the circle next to him. She joined in the motions and instructed Matsyas when to clap and how to move his feet. When the chanting began, Key sang the men's part with Matsyas. As the song went on, she couldn't help but sing louder and louder, her voice rising up with the smoke from the bonfire. Somehow she felt she was exactly where she was meant to be. Then the song ended. Key turned to Matsyas. It was perhaps the first time she had seen him smile since her mother had found him outside the Pelon temple. She hugged him. Now you're official. Key felt like Matsyas at that song circle. She wasn't entirely sure what was going on, but she had been invited, and she got the feeling she was supposed to take part and play some role in the pageant, but Kaylee and Ketu weren't directing her. Then, at last, someone introduced a story she knew well. The Cataclysm of Oris. There were several explanations about what happened to Oris, an ancient city on the southern continent, and the Thesaju had their own. Leaping to her feet before she could talk herself out of it, Key cried, I've seen the future of Oris. The gods themselves will send a storm to destroy the land and everyone in it. To her surprise, Charlie also stood up. I'm the king of this land, and I demand you give me good news, or I'll feed your family to my pet bear. The pet bear was definitely not part of the Thesaju story, but the room erupted into laughter. The best she could figure was that it was some joke from the year before, but it had surprised Key enough that she wasn't sure what to say next. When the gods speak, they speak. It was a phrase she often heard her cousin say when telling stories. If you cannot give me good news, then leave and never return, or I'll feed you to my pet bear. The other students laughed again while Key watched, still unsure what to do or say. Charlie flicked a finger at the couch, so Key sat down again. Kaylee nudged her and told her she did a great job. Key felt like Kaylee was being overly kind, since she hadn't done much, but she didn't have time to wallow in self-pity, because overhead, lights of all different colors began to explode like silent fireworks. Charlie sank to his knees on the ground, hands held open toward the ceiling. No, I'm sorry. Don't take my bear. Again with the laughter, but Key had stopped listening. She was focused on the lights, wondering if K2 had created them. It occurred to her that she could learn to do that here. And for the first time since arriving, she felt like she was exactly where she was meant to be. You have been listening to Natural Magic, written and narrated by Molly Sroges. The role of Key was played by C.J. Branneman. Matt was played by Casey Kirkpatrick, and Kaylee was voiced by Brittany Newhouse. Just Goodwin played Charlie. Music and sound effects from Pixabay. Cafeteria ambiance from Ambient Sound Mixer. To learn more about our artists or to read this book online, follow The Stitch Witch's Apprentice on Tumblr. Or use the links in the show notes.